Welcome to Acme Packing Company's Intercepted, where we talk to a rival fan about the upcoming game. Bryce Rossler from Sports Information Solutions. Is it Sports Information Solutions or Sports Info Solutions? It's just Sports Info Solutions. You sound like a cop info. saying information. Yeah, well, it it happens sometimes, Bryce. I'm sorry. He we is sound, a uh, we're, we're not nerdy an enough. optimistic Lions fan. How could you be? You're nerdy and you're nerdy enough with with just the info. You think information is just a step too far? No, I mean like doing the stats and the analytics, that stuff's nerdy enough. We don't need to make it harder on ourselves that it needs to be just info. Information. No, info. They got the branding right on that one, I think. <laughs> tell tell the tell the people what, what your gig is. What is your job at Sports Info Solutions? You know, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. Um, I don't really know. Um, I guess basically what I do is play around in football data and write up research on things that I find are interesting or build out tools and dashboards um, that take the data that we have and transform it into something meaningful rather than a bunch of ones and zeros so that media clients can use it. Team clients can use it. That's basically the extent of it. I don't have anything too concrete because what I work on day to day could be pretty fluid depending on the projects I'm working on, but that's pretty much the gist of it. Yeah. A lot of those gigs, like uh, the title of the name doesn't really explain the gig, right? Like when I was director of analytics for Optimum Scouting and we were doing stuff for the XFL and it's uh, it's it's different every day and you're putting out different kinds of fires and trying to make different people happy, basically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm the one setting the fires, but... So as far as Sports Info Solutions goes, and I assume you guys do a lot of like the tinkering around with numbers like over the offseason, like what what's something interesting that you found out or that you were able to build out over this past off season. So a big chunk of my off season was spent developing our new pressures above expectation metric, which we're going to be rolling out very soon. Um, for those of you that are familiar with expectation based metrics, basically you're contextualizing performance compared to um, what actually happened on the play. So like completion percentage over expectation, you're not just taking a raw completion percentage number. You're trying to consider how far was it thrown? Um, you know, where on the field was it thrown to, to actually give a little bit of substance to the number. Um but there wasn't anything like that that existed for pressures. So we built that out this off season. Um, I actually have something I'm writing right now where we're going to roll it out. That's um, in the process of being looked over and edited. So that should be out soon. Um, it was, it was really interesting because what we found was that um this new metric can help us predict pressures better than pressures themselves. 
So we went from hmm. we went from like uh, when you know before we had companies like us and PFF charting things like pressures. Sacks were obviously the measuring stick of pass rush performance, but we kind of graduated from that. And people talk about pressures now as being a better measurement. Um, so we just took it one step further and we're, we're now getting better at actually predicting pressures than we could before. So that's pretty exciting. And we'll, we'll, uh, we'll roll that article out in the next couple of days. How, how high are uh, Packers players on that? Is there one that know. stands out either look. good or bad? Go look. I, Go I, look. I remember – I do remember Preston Smith being pretty low on the 2020 leaderboard, but I couldn't tell you where exactly he was. He, he, had, a, he had a pretty good game this last game. I th- thought he was surprisingly like one of the bright spots. Um, talking about this offseason, MCDC, how you doing with it? MCDC? Motor City Dan Campbell. Oh my god. Um I'm kind of wait and see on it. He's I mean he said some funny stuff. Um I think he quote unquote gets it. I I think uh I think he's a player's coach. That's just the impression I get from him. I don't know if it's going to work out. Um there was some encouraging stuff from this first game, but the talent is so bad on the Lions right now, it's kind of hard to glean anything super meaningful about Campbell or the, the direction of the organization from their first game because they, I mean, they got to be in it for the long haul. They just don't have the horses right now. You're, say- You're saying wait and see. Like, I didn't twist your arm as a Lions fan who said that you are not going to watch Dan Campbell and Jared Goff, and I forced you to watch the All-22 so that you could come on here and talk with me about it. Well, I mean, it was nothing against Dan Campbell, but Goff is, I don't, I've been through enough. I've been through enough, man. <laughs> Just like, in life? I, I, <laughs> the in, Lions have put you through enough? You don't need Lions it? Fan. I mean, when I got started at SIS, I, you know this, I was a charter at first. Like, I I, I charted Western Michigan, Delaware State in 2018. Um, I've seen some shit, man. I, I, I put in my time. I don't need to watch Jared Goff for 17 games in 2021. I'm an old man. Like, I, I should be able to enjoy my football weekends i'm i'm not no you're not yet i i no no well i i tried to ruin that for you and made you watch the lions so what 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 were your takeaways on film from watching this lions team just start out with a take give me a take any of them so i was expecting jared goff to be really bad but i gotta be i gotta be honest uh if he plays the way he played against the 49ers going forward at a consistent level, I can see him sticking on a 53 man roster somewhere. <laughs> Here we go. You think, you think he's actually that bad. They were able to do some boot stuff, especially against, they did uh, a bunch San of boot Francisco stuff they were in three, four, three, four looks, which is what they're going to get against green Bay. Right. They, 
I mean, they did some boot stuff. The offense from the passing game perspective didn't look that different than it did last year. Um, the weird thing is that they sp- like they spammed mesh a bunch. They spammed shallow cross. It's just like a bunch of these route concepts that target the middle of the field, but Goff, he clearly wants to throw to the flats. I mean, even when they were in panic mode in the fourth quarter, um, he's checking the ball down to the flats. Um, and the no cover zone of the defense. He's throwing the boundary curl when they need to get something going. I mean, he he was throwing outbreakers all game. So I don't know that what they're running, some of the stuff they're running in a passing game. Like, obviously, you have to be able to attack the middle of the field. But golf seems much more comfortable throwing those outbreakers and targeting the flats than he does going over the middle. Which is kind of weird because, I mean, you're you're kind of an air raid guy, right? I mean, you watch Oklahoma every week. Um, so, you know, shallow cross mesh, you're, you're seeing that every week in the Big 12. Well, Jared Goff was playing under, um, well, who is it, Sonny Dykes when they were going bear raid? Yeah, Dykes. They're in bear, California. Yeah. And I would... I always, I always thought one of the weirdest things was that, you know, Goff couldn't operate quick game. He couldn't operate, uh, you know, shotgun passing game. And like you're saying, he, he's trying to hit all these flat routes. But he had years of playing in the air raid at the college level, and that's what he was drafted to do. And then the fact that he then comes into the NFL and is basically forced into um, being a, a stretch boot quarterback um, just because of his limitations is like, always odd to me because I didn't think that his career necessarily would have played out like this, you know, as a draft prospect. No, and it's, it's definitely weird considering the system he came from in college. You get guys that come out of those kinds of systems and people are concerned whether or not they can operate a quote unquote pro style offense, but that's all he's really been able to do. Right. Like the, the boot stuff you alluded to, play action crossers, isolation routes to the to the boundary, like he uh, he hasn't been able to do like the typical spread concepts that you would expect a quarterback coming from that type of system in college to be able to do. He's just he's a very strange little man. And he might hang on a 53-man roster at some point. He might hang on a 53-man roster. I I did see one of the weirdest things, right, was I think they had one play over 25 yards, and they had something like 70 snaps last week. That's not great. You never want to see that. Yeah, and it was the screen. The screen to DeAndre Swift. I didn't realize it was the screen. Yeah, it was the screen to DeAndre Swift. He did have... He did have one that I think went for 25 yards to Raymond on a dig, which that's mm-hmm. okay. That's this, that play that I'm referring to is interesting to me because they had been running those dig routes over the middle all game. And they had, they had kind of more or less been there. Um, but golf just wouldn't take them. And then finally, when they're, that, that happens sometimes. 
it I does. Mean, you can look like, at like Wazoo, like Wazoo's quarterbacks. You can watch them run drive, which is basically, you know, a dig. Basically, you're running vertical and then cutting inside at you know ten to fifteen yards, um, and then you have a crosser underneath it, and then you just high low that linebacker. You can watch some of these teams like Washington State, where they're supposed to be, you know, running, running this. Like they're supposed to be the the master class PhD level of running the air raid type of stuff. And they and just hit the, the quarterback shallow every just time. Take the drag every time. Yeah. Every, every time. time. I, I got a cut up of uh not this past Wazoo quarterback, but the one right after Minshew. Um I got a cut up of like Washington State's passing plays just so that I could like study them and they were all indexed um on my end. So I was able to watch like, hey, how do they run drive, which is that concept that I was just talking about. And I'm not kidding you. They didn't hit the dig at all the entire season, and they must have called the play 25 times. Yeah. Yeah, and you can actually kind of see some of that in his game still. Um, he he loves to check it down to running backs. He loves to hit the shallow route, even when something in the intermediate part of the field is open. Um, he's just – it's not even necessarily that he can't do it because that – that throw to Raymond that I was talking about was a really nice ball. Um, he just, I, I don't know. It's like he watching him play quarterback is just like, he's staring back at the sideline and turning a dial that says check down and just waiting for the coach's reaction. He's got some Derek Carr in him where it's like when he actually does something confidently, you're like, Oh, he's arrived. He's finally getting it. And then it's the same same stuff the very next week. Um, yeah. DeAndre Swift, 22 touches plus targets. Jamal Williams, 18 touches plus targets. Hawkinson with 11. Everyone else had 26 combined. Um, Swift is limited on the injury report right now for a groin injury. And Jamal Williams is limited with a chest injury. At least Hawkinson with 11 touches and targets. And then 26 for everyone else. I mean... You said, you know, Raymond, Raymond was their leading like actual wide receiver in terms of yardage, but he wasn't that in terms of like the rotation and targets. It's just he caught the big play. So I don't know what they're going to do at wide receiver. Do you think like in the way that they stand right now, if if Swift and Williams are, let's say they're playing the game, but they're like 80 percent, you know, the the playbook is kind of out there right now to beat Green Bay's defense, which is just run inside just because they're packing bodies in the middle of the field. Doesn't mean that they have the defensive line to be able to handle um, inside run is kind of the way that I would explain it. If those backs are like at 80%, do the Lions have the firepower to stay in this game? Talk about from like a passing game perspective, just everything. I mean, I think it was like the first 240 yards of the Lions offense last week. 230 of them came from Swift, Jamal Williams, and Hawkinson. So Swift and Williams aren't going to be like the bell cows that you would think that they are um, if they're banged up a little bit. Like, who else do they have to lean into other than just spamming Hawkinson like we saw Gruden do with Darren Waller? I mean, really, that's what it's going to be because Tyrell Williams is on the injury report as well, I think. Um, So he might not be 100% for the game. Um, can can anybody outside of the state of Michigan name the receivers on the Lions roster right now? 
Oh, it's like you, every you're talking to Wisconsin fans right now, buddy. Can you can you name Packing, Packing Company? Can you name four receivers on the Lions roster? I dare you. Go ahead. Cephas, Raymond, um, Tyrell, and then the other St. Brown. Can you name five? I can do it, but I can only get to four. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I can get to four. I can get to four. Who's the fifth? Tr- Trinity Benson. Fake name. Um, you're telling me. Fake name. From it's... East Central Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. That's not a real place. Oh, That's I can assure you that it that is. That was a Madden creative player. What, what does Oklahoma. East Central Oklahoma look like? Oh, I couldn't tell you. What, what's what's the vibes? What's the vibes? Oh, okay. I know. I know that it's real. Are are they going to be able to run the ball? Are the Lions going to be able to run the ball? Because I'll freak out if they run the ball. If if they run the ball and they can just hold the ball like the Saints did, I'm going to freak out. I mean, their run game looked pretty good against the 49ers, and that front is not at all bad. Um, Sewell looked really good on the left, which was nice to see. Um, I thought some of the design stuff they had with, like, the moving parts stuff was really creative. Um, They did a pretty good job of utilizing Hawkinson, using him on, like, iso blocks, split zone, on counter. Um, They got into a lot of different looks in the run game. I don't know how confident you are in the Packers' run defense, but I think the design is there. I think they have good enough personnel to do it, assuming Swift and Williams are not crippled. Right. And like you said, they were doing a lot. I mean, they were hitting outside plays a lot more than I thought. I thought they were just going to be kind of like power ISO uh, oriented in terms of the run game. But the fact that they were starting to run a good amount of zone helped them out when they were trying to attempt those those boot plays with Jared Goff. I did think that what one thing that was kind of interesting to me when I was watching the game was that San Francisco had already built enough of a lead that they started playing nickel to uh, 12 personnel, basically, 12 or 21. It's the same thing. It's, same it's thing. two blockers, two wide receivers, and a true running back. Um doesn't really doesn't really matter. Don't get phased by that. But basically, when when the Lions were in heavy formations and the Niners were up in the game, the Niners basically conceded the run game is the best way that I could explain it by putting out you know a, a third corner and just saying, okay, if you're gonna do this, what we're gonna try to lock down on is these these crossers and stuff on boot if you want to run you can run because we have enough of a lead that you're going to run out of clock and ultimately they did um were you did you see the same thing or am i telling myself a lie there no i mean i think that's fair but i also think that the run game was there in the early parts of the game as well they just kind of had to get Mm -hmm. away from it because they got down really fast um, so there's definitely some truth to what you said, but I don't think that we should discount what was happening in the first half of that game when the Lions did choose to run the ball. Cause they were 
getting into some funky looks and they were executing. I mean, they were, they were like pulling rag now. Um, they're running wham. Um, I, th- I think the lion, this is probably the best. The lions run game has been in a long time. I mean, that's not saying much and that's like a week one overreaction for sure, but it wouldn't surprise me if the lions were able to beat up on some people on the ground this year. The, the big difference that I saw was, I mean, obviously San Francisco's not a 3-4 team, so they don't get a lot of five-down looks, but um, the Packers are going to do that because that's how they line up to base. I mean, that's what they did against New Orleans. That's what they did the entire preseason where if you go heavy, we go heavy. It's not the Mike Penton stuff anymore. Um, so I guess that's, that's kind of my thing. big takeaway. You, you, don't, you don't like being in base against 12? You want a nickel out there? No, I was saying the playing like dime to oh Pettin, not, yeah not, no yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, I mean they were just walking down linebackers to the a gaps and getting trap run on them like a bad high school team. That's what it was. That it, we don't have to pretend it wasn't that. Um, that's why it's so funny to me the people overreacting being like, "Is this Joe Barry's fault? Should did we make the wrong hire? Should we just can him?" I'm like, do you guys not remember? what we just saw and like this is a real defensive structure there's really not that much different between what they're doing and what the Steelers and Broncos are doing it's just they have different players right now guys that's the only difference um all right we're gonna toss it to break and then after the break we're gonna talk about the uh lauded Detroit Lions defense support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning as a parent you want your child to have every opportunity But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we're back with Bryce Rossler. I tried to combine your names there. That was weird. From Sports Info Solutions, not Sports Information Solutions. Talk to me about the Detroit Lions defense. Look, I'll ask the questions here. What? What I want to know is how often do the Packers actually do the outside zone stuff? Because I know LaFleur comes from that tree, um, but I don't watch like a ton of Packers. And it's a little bit concerning because I don't think the Lions have the dudes up front, um, especially at the linebacker level, to defend that consistently. And we saw them get creased quite a bit against San Fran. So I kind of wanted your thoughts on that particular aspect before I started ranting about the Lions defense generally. 
Uh, one, you sound like a cop when you say San Fran. No one from the base says San Fran. Uh, two, yeah, Fair. they run outside zone, Bryce. I don't know if you've watched football in the past couple of years, but they run outside zone. I they run. They run. Uh, they do a little bit of jet motion stuff. They they run boot. Um, when they get the fullback in the game, and it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, Daphne, but just a tight end lined up in the backfield, they start doing different stuff. Like you can see them run ISO and power and stuff like that. But at a single back, yeah, I mean they're running they're running zone, but they're running zone and duo. You didn't have to be so condescending about it. I know that teams run outside zone. Oh, enough. I know that's a thing. I I meant like, <laughs> are they doing it like the Rams did it with McVeigh? Like San Francisco. Not, not that much. I mean, it's not the only thing the that Cisco. they're running, but it's it, it's closer to it's closer to San Francisco than it is the Rams. I'll say that. Okay, because that'll that will definitely be there for the Packers this weekend, I would think. Um, but they might just choose to uh, they might just choose to throw the ball because the the secondary situation in Detroit is really bad. Like really, yeah. Really I bad. saw you learned the name of a new Melifonwu. You were like new Melifonwu dropped. Oh, I was doing I was doing a bit, but I mean beyond you know beyond like the three deep. They've got like guys like Daryl Worley, um, AJ Parker. I don't. I I honestly don't know who that is. Um, but uh, even though people have been disappointed by Okuda, that injury hurts a lot because they're extremely thin behind him. Um, it's going to be Oruwarie and Melifonwu on the outside. Um, and that's not... That looks like lunch, Bryce. That looks like lunch. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine this is going to be one of those games where Devontae Adams can pretty much do whatever he wants to do. So here's what the Saints did, right? The Saints came out. They decided, hey, we're just going to play two-man. By the time the Packers figured out that it was two-man... They were already down, you know, 17-3 or whatever, and they basically had no time left in the first half. Can the Lions replicate that? Can they stay in too high for whatever no. reason? You know, no. Aaron Rodgers, even, be, even beyond this, right? So the Saints played him two-man. Early on in Rodgers' career, um, he struggled a ton against a lot of these Tampa 2 teams, especially the Bears. Um Tampa two ended up phasing out of the league. And that might be one reason why Aaron Rodgers has looked so uh, great in his career, I guess. Is the That's way to put a take. It. Um, if he played in an era where Tampa two was being, yeah, he's, he's half decent at quarterback, but if he was playing in an era where quarterbacks were seeing Tampa two more, I do wonder kind of what th- that would do to how we perceive him. Um, is there any way the Lions can, can fit the run in too high? I mean, you already said, that they're going to struggle against uh stretch, you know, zone. So is there any way that they're just cool with their safety being alley players and not just adding an extra guy into the box and kind of playing over top that way? Or is that just out of the question completely? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned the alley players because there were a couple plays in that San Francisco game where safety was running the alley was like the last chase player and it ended up being somewhat ugly. Um, 
So I would say no, um, especially because I don't know that they can allocate such few resources up front. Um, the defensive line is, is probably better than I'm giving them credit for, but the linebackers are concerning. Yeah, they, they got, they got players up there. Yeah. Um, did yeah, Derek I mean, Barnes not, play? I didn't, I wasn't paying attention too much to personnel. He, he played, a, play? he played a little bit. Um, not as much as people thought he might play. Um, mm-hmm. cause he was getting a lot of praise and hype out of training camp. Um, and just generally throughout the off season. So P- I think PFS were... number one graded linebacker, buddy. Fascinating. Um, Coverage linebacker. Sorry. <laughs> fascinating. You, you're not taking the PFF bait. We can't start a PFF versus SI. PFF underscore bait. <laughs> Bar- Barnes was always interesting to me. I really liked him coming out of the draft because he was, a, he legitimately played defensive end before his last year at Purdue and then played uh, kind of a hybrid role. He would play linebacker on base downs and then third down. You know, obviously they wanted to turn him loose, so they let him rush the passer with, uh, what's his name, Karloftis. He's probably going to be like a top 10 pick. Oh, yeah, the, um, the Greek guy. Draft. He's a defensive end for them that got hurt. He, yeah, he's he's a freak. He's great. He might. He's, he's the second-best pass rusher in college football behind uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was just kind of hopeful that – Barnes would see the field early on because when you have a guy who has coverage numbers that good and, you know, he's not limited as an athlete at the linebacker level and he has a defensive end background like that. Those guys are pretty hard to stop. If you could start doing like Demario Davis, like Donta Hightower stuff with the linebacker, that changes a lot of things that you can do. And I think he has the potential for it. It's a bummer that he's not seeing the field all the time, but. Yeah. And for what it's worth, Glenn made a remark after the game that was something to the effect of he would like to get him on the field more. And that if you're a quality player, he'll get you on the field. Um, So that's definitely something interesting to monitor, but I don't think he played too much this past game. What's the, which linebacker is hurting Detroit the most? Cause it, I look at their depth chart and I could say it's either Jamie Collins Alex Anzalone, both of them are borderline NFL starters who definitely have flaws to their game. I don't know. It's it's hard to make a judgment off of one game. Um, you know, Anzalone. Well, we've seen them play before. And it's yeah, not like this, this I, is the first time those guys are starting. I mean, that's fair. The The one thing I would say is – Jamie Collins has been fairly disappointing in Detroit, at least from that. At least that's my perspective. Um, I was pretty excited when they signed him, but I mean, he's how old is he now? I mean, he's getting up there. He's at least in his thirties. Um, and he's just kind of not yeah, he's 31. the player that he used to be. Um, but like this past game, um, the Lions had a big issue getting beat on those play action in breakers, digs, crosses, whatever they were, um, just because the linebackers couldn't gain depth quickly enough on play action. Um, so it's 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 tough sledding 
there right now. Um, I haven't watched too much Anzalone throughout his career. Um, and he's only played one game with Detroit, so I don't have a definitive answer. But I would say that Collins has been fairly disappointing. Maybe that's my fault. That's fair. That you're, not, that you're not watching enough Anzalone? I don't think so. No, I don't no, think so no, just that I would have expectations for a line. <laughs> for Jamie Collins? I, I feel like the problem with both of them is kind of the same thing, where it's you're being told that they're very athletic, and then they're on the field, and they don't look that athletic. It, it's like the Kiko Alonso syndrome stuff but now you got you got two of them which is uh well collins was to be fair to him he was but i mean he's just he was he's just getting older now and anzalone's been hurt god knows how many times um yeah and we don't we don't talk about linebackers as like the inverse of or, or the reflection of running backs on the defensive side where you know it's real common to say like Oh, that linebacker just or that running back just broke down because he's 28 and that's what happens to running backs. The same thing happens to linebackers and no one seems to talk about it ever. Yeah, I've never really thought about it that way for whatever reason, but you're onto something. Maybe I would have known that if I had a chart. That's great. <laughs> If it's not in a spreadsheet, it doesn't exist. If we can't quantify it, it doesn't exist. That's the right. love for your wife doesn't exist. Can't can't quantify it. Can't quantify it. Um. So, all right, predictions. The Packers are double digit favorites here. What are your thoughts? Seems reasonable. I mean, what do I? I'm a, I'm a horrible, horrible football gambler. Fade fade all my picks. Um. We we lost so much money on so many Hawaii games for so oh, many yeah. years. Yeah. You and I would just talk about Rolovich and we're like, they definitely got him this week. And then just Yeah, that, I bet that night gambling is when you know where the real degenerates are. Yeah, I uh I also bet on Washington State to cover against Utah State in week one and they just outright lost. So what do I know? I mean, Gross. I would. Because you like that quarterback, Garantano or whatever. You can't I can't stop talking I, about him. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, anyways, what Packers are what? Minus 10 and a half? Yes. I mean, I could see them covering that. They That 49ers game was not close. They They should not have covered. I mean, they yeah, got... it was it was a tough one. I think the garbage time again, like you could see San Francisco reacting to the game flow in game, where they just said, "All right, you're coming out heavy, but you're down behind so many points. We're just going to play nickel to it and make sure you don't get explosives." And they get one play over 25 yards when they were playing from a, de- a point of desperation for most of the game. You know, San Francisco executed their plan and they got the job done. You know. And some of their players might have phoned in. I don't know if you saw what Bosa said, but Bosa said something to the effect of, "I," he was like, "I thought I was done for the game. I cut my tape off and everything. And I had to go back in." <laughs> so, uh, I know they. Well, I know it's a good thing the NFL's putting the Lions on Monday Night Football, right? I mean, who didn't want this in Week Two? Dude, it's it's so bad. 
How how many how many Lions games will you watch live this season? You'll watch Monday live? night football. Don't tell me you won't. You'll watch you'll watch Monday night football live. I'll watch Monday night won't. football live. Um let me let me pull up their schedule. And I can I watched I think last year live I watched four games. And then the rest was just And like then you're just red zoning them. the rest of it? Film. Um uh, back when yeah. you know, we had that still. Um back when uh, NFL Game Pass worked. Yeah. I will absolutely watch them play the Rams for the Stafford narrative, if nothing else. Um not not a I'm... Jared Goff revenge game? You don't think that's up to Pike? Michael Brocker's revenge game? Michael Brocker's revenge game. What a curse sentence. Um no, I I can't see that happening. I might watch I might I might hate watch uh the Bengals game in week six and root for the Bengals to lose. Um beyond that, I mean there's just not there's not a lot of meat on this bone. The for Atlanta sure. game will be a barn burner. Right. You're gonna watch the Falcons games? Out no, of all of them? Hell Falcons no. Lions? I was kidding. Oh, I thought you said you were gonna watch them. Oh, okay. No, I know no, you were no, jokingly no. saying barn burner. I didn't know if you were jokingly saying you were gonna watch that game. The Falcons aren't a real football team, man. We t- we we're in a group chat with our buddy uh, Charles McDonald, and he is furious right now. He's straight up like, let's just let Arthur Smith go back to Tennessee. I think it helps both sides. Like he is just completely given up on this team and. Uh, I guess when you're running ISO straight at Fletcher Cox and just getting pounded in the mouth every single play, um, it's bad. It's bad. Speaking of Smith uh, to, uh, he wants him to go work at FedEx. He does. And he, he says a lot of uh, body shaming things about Arthur Smith right now that he can't put on the timeline. Um, We'll cut this out. (laughs) We won't. As far as like running the ball down your throat though, I mean, did do you know how many TFLs the Packers got last week after being ran at a billion times? Couldn't tell you. Zero. Zero, Bryce. They couldn't get one. Yeah. I feel like you would have a good answer to this question, right? So our buddy Derek Clausen talked about how all the last dance stuff with Green Bay is like actually fan fiction. Um mm-hmm. that that hurt me so good. That hurt me so good. Uh if this is the last dance, what song is playing during the dance, Bryce? What song is playing? Probably uh what's that uh what's that blue song by Eiffel 65 or whatever? The I'm blue? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the da da that one. That that one. You know what I'm talking about? For Sad yes. Boy Rogers? I know which one you're talking about. Well, you want Sad me to you want me Rogers. to fucking sing it? Is that where we're going with this? Yeah, go. That's not happening. Yeah, do the whole. I was. Minutes. I it, I already what... subjected myself to golf film for this. I will not. I will not be your show pony. That's that's my limit. <laughs> the golf film. It's that's... nice to know that you draw lines somewhere. Well, I'm a man of principle. Um, my answer would be for for whatever reason, I remember being at a middle school dance while Seether's 
uh, Lips of an Angel is playing. And you're like slow dancing, right? And everyone, every little middle schooler is like, this is the most romantic song. And I'm listening to the lyrics and being like, this song is definitely about cheating on your girlfriend, right? And that's what this last dance feels like, where everyone is just one foot out the door, man. And everyone's pretending to be happy. And it doesn't seem like they're actually happy real deep down. Did you see the Zadarius Smith chain thing that's happening right now? I did, but I'm glad you had a good weekend. So Zadarius Smith has been injured with a back injury, but it's been very odd to see how Matt LaFleur and the rest of the coaching staff are approaching it because it kind of seems like they're frustrated with Zadarius for whatever reason, which may be, um, you know, it could be a multitude of things, including like, is he taking rehab seriously or does he really need a not be at practice those kind of questions i guess could come up with the way that they're answering some of these these uh questions at pressers um he wasn't voted as a captain and he is now commissioning oh yeah i saw a jeweler to make him like you know the little captain patch that you get on the jersey he's commissioning a jeweler to make him a chain with the captain patch dude he might like not want to be here at all it's very odd like coaches are so weird about he was like darius is yeah, Lafleur today was like Zadarius isn't getting in the game anymore unless he starts practicing more, and I don't know if it's like a contract issue thing or what the heck's going on, but all all is not right in Green Bay, and it gives me big lips of an angel's vibe where it's like this is about cheating on your girlfriend, right? Not great. Anyway, uh, thanks for the time, Bryce. Uh, tell the people where they can read your stuff. They can read my stuff at sportsinfosolutionsblog.com. That's sportsinfosolutionsblog, not sports information solutions blog. And they can find me on Twitter at BT Rossler. That's R O S S L E R for all my shit posting. Serious stuff on the SIS blog, not serious stuff on Twitter.